get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie. Always happy to be joined by Katie Wu for our weekly Monday conversation. She's the Cardinals insider for The Athletic. You can find her work over there breaking down the Cardinals trades from the week. And you can also find her on Twitter at Katie J. Wu. Katie, a lot going on over the weekend for the St. Louis Cardinals. How are you doing today? Yeah, a lot going on at the moment, guys, but I am doing well. I'm just sitting here refreshing all of my tabs about every 30 seconds. It's a very healthy way to spend a Monday. How are you? Ah, the life of the trade deadline, Katie. You just don't move from the computer screen for 48 hours. And then afterwards, you could be like BK and complain about how his eyes hurt. Well, he needs to get some Blu-ray glasses. I I've been rocking him. mine. I don't do that oh, anymore. He's That's got him, why Because he wears them. He's like, man, I'm going to put my glasses on. My oh, eyes oh, hurt from Lord. staring at the screen all day. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know you gotta do what you gotta do, but that's a really good, uh, a really good reenactment. You yeah, guys. thanks. I, I've nailed the BK impersonation. Appreciate both of you for all of the kind words. All right, Katie, let's get into what the Cardinals decided to do yesterday. Uh, When you saw that the Cardinals were trading Jordan Montgomery and Chris Stratton down to Texas and then that Jordan Hicks was going up to Toronto, I'm guessing for you, like for us, there wasn't a lot of shock in the, the guys that are pending free agents going elsewhere. But when you saw the return, what stood out to you? Yeah, no, not a lot of surprise there with the names. I mean, this pretty much is on par for what John Lozell described would happen. They're trading away expiring contracts, soon-to-be free agents. These were the names we expected to go and the names we expected to go first. A pretty good indication that Jordan Hicks was about to be traded was I was looking at the bullpen in the fourth inning through my binoculars like a totally normal person, (laughs) and there was no Jordan Hicks. And, uh, you know, rumors had been spreading in the morning that he was on his way out, and I kind of thought that Jordan Hicks would be the first to go. So not at all surprised that they both left yesterday. Would have appreciated more than 20 minutes notice between the trades. But, you know, that's what makes it fun. Um, The returns, I think, were about what you could expect for uh, rental pieces. I mean, all three of those guys, Hicks, Montgomery, and Chris Stratton, are going to be free agents at the end of the year. Like we know, you're not going to land this top prospect in the organization for rental, no matter how talented the rental is. That's just the way the selling market works. I thought what the Cardinals did was about what they could get. Um, You're looking at these names. By the way, um, if there's an award for names most difficult to announce as acquisitions, the Cardinals are going to win it. So bear with me because I'm still figuring out how to say these names correctly. But when you're looking at what the Cardinals got for the Blue Jays, I know that Klopfenstein isn't a top prospect in the organization, but he has that high swing and miss. All of the pitching prospects they acquired do have that trait And that's something that the Cardinals don't have in their farm system. So when you're looking at returns for rentals, what you can expect are 
upper level but not top prospects in return. And the Cardinals identified some really exciting arms that seem to slot right into what they want in terms of pitching talent that could be ready in 2024. Um I thought, again, what Mo was able to get for these players was pretty par for the course in terms of bolstering his farm system. Katie, we saw the Cardinals package uh, bullpen arm with Jordan Montgomery. Are you expecting some type of type of package with Jack Flaherty before tomorrow? I would think so, just because I think that's what you're going to have to do to get the most value. If we're following John Mazalock's trends throughout you know, what he's already set, the next guys to go are going to be the only guys left with expiring contracts. That would be Jack Flaherty and Paul DeYoung. Yes, DeYoung has that team option for $12.5 million in 2024, but given where the organization is and Mason wins and pending arrival, it is very unlikely the Cardinals pick up that option. So I could see the Cardinals being packaging DeYoung with Flaherty, assuming a team that is, is interested in Flaherty needs middle infield depth. You know, I'm just speculating here, but the Giants could be one of those teams. They need rotation help. They could also use some middle infield help. That seems like a likely package. Now, if you're looking for a team such as Baltimore that may not necessarily need middle infield, then you're looking for relief pitching. And that's where I think you could see someone that's under a little bit more team control, uh, someone like a Giovanni Gallegos or a Ryan Helsley go as well, because those are valuable arms that are going to boost your return. Uh, Mode pretty much said he expects more moves to be made before the August 1st deadline, which I believe is 5 p.m. in St. Louis, but who is counting? Um <laughs> And he did not rule out anyone except the guys he did previously rule out, namely Nolan Arenado, being on the trading block. So we will see. But one thing I do expect, guys, going forward is that the Cardinals will make at least one more move. So, Katie, let's stick on that vein of of thought uh, here for a moment. The Cardinals did not acquire anybody yesterday, at least from the analysts' perspective that know a lot more about this than we do that is expected to slot into the rotation on opening day of 2024. And that was never the expectation in these moves for the pending free agents to do so probably requires giving up cost controlled position players. Do you anticipate the Cardinals making one of those moves prior to the deadline? Yes. Or tomorrow. I would be really surprised, but I'm really glad you brought this up because I think as we all navigate the selling market for the first time, some of us for the first time ever, some of us for the first time in a long time, we should reiterate what the expectations are. Yes, none of these names are like penned in to the rotation in 2024. Mo said as such, you know, as of today, they still have two starters slated in Miles Michaels and Steven Matz for 2024. But with reverse and Kloppenstein, I'm almost positive I said that right. Um, who are going to be assigned to AAA and could be available as early as tomorrow. Um, these are guys that are going to compete for playing time in 2024. Those uh, rotation acquisitions are most likely going to come in the winter. And Mo said this a couple weeks ago. They're not addressing every single one of their needs this trade deadline. When August 1st, 5 o'clock hits, that roster is not going to be a completely finished product that they expect to contend with in 2024. There is just no reality where that happens. What this trade deadline is, is offloading some talent, freeing up some salary money, looking to see what pieces they're going to part with and what they'll need to replace in the offseason, bolstering the farm system because they desperately needed to do that, especially in the upper levels from a pitching perspective, and then moving forward to seeing what they can do in the offseason. I expect most of the heavy lifting to make this club a contending team in 2024 to happen over the winter. Now, fans can absolutely have their skepticism of what that will look like because, as Mosellock also said, exploring free agency, they're going to have to do. They can't just fix this with trades. And we know Mo's recent track record in free agency 
isn't the best. So I understand fan skepticism here. But I do want to reiterate that what we're seeing at the deadline is not going to be those like big blockbuster names coming back to the Cardinals that are going to make this team, you know, what they believe to be contenders next year. We're seeing them address every area of the roster that will help them comprehensively be ready in 2024. It starts with bolstering the farm system. Katie, I'm one of those skeptics going into that offseason with those those big moves by the team. And I think the bigger piece of the skepticism for me is that the Cardinals are going to be unwilling to move on from a Donovan or a Gorman or a Nupar because they feel they need that for 2024. Do you see the Cardinals getting to that uncomfortable point? Absolutely. I think they have some really tough decisions to make in the offseason. I think this trade deadline is actually relatively easy for them to approach because they can just look at their expiring contracts, the soon-to-be free agents, and say, okay, well, unfortunately, it is time that we part with Jordan Hicks. It is time that we go part with Jordan Montgomery, Flaherty, DeYoung, probably those names as well. But over the offseason, if the Cardinals want to land, uh, you know, make a huge splash and get one of those number ones or number twos for their rotation – that's going to require parting with talent. They really don't want to. And when you look at the upsides of Brendan Donovan, Lars Newbar, Nolan Gorman, especially that power from the left side, you understand why they don't want to part with those guys. But that might be something they're going to have to do. Now, the alternative to that is spending. It's not like the Cardinals have spent a lot of money in the offseason on free agency. I know they like to operate as a small market team, but they certainly have the resources to do so. To me, it makes the most sense to go spend some of that money. Now, that would be completely uncharacteristic for the Cardinals, but this has been a completely uncharacteristic season in St. Louis, and sometimes desperate events call for desperate measures, so I could see the spending increasing, or at least it should be considered very heavily, because if the Cardinals want to compete in 2024, they've made it very clear that they believe their current core will help them do that. If they're not willing to part with these pieces, they better be willing to spend or you're going to risk this exact same season happening all over again. All right, Katie, I've got two final questions for you. I think both can be handled relatively quickly here. Katie was our guest here on 101 ESPN. What are you hearing on Dylan Carlson? What are your expectations for him over the next 24, 28 hours, I guess? I think Carlson's one of those names that the Cardinals could be convinced to part with just because of that, that log jam in the outfield that we've talked about, I don't know, all season. <laughs> um, Yes, he does have team control, and the Cardinals don't really want to part with that. But, again, when you look at their outfield and their reluctance, their reluctance to part with Tyler O'Neill at this time, it makes sense that Carlson is the next name in line. However, I'm not quite sure what the selling market will covet for Dylan. Yes, he has team control. Yes, he's only 24. Uh, and, yes, he has – I don't think they've even touched the ceiling of what he could do here in St. Louis. But currently, as he is right now – He's a fourth outfielder and a platoon player. That's how he's being perceived on the market. I'm not sure what contending teams are willing to pay for that. I can see them going the Tyler O'Neill approach and trying to find ways for him to play every day or as frequently as possible. I don't know, again, how feasible that is because it's the same problem they've been having all year. But trying to build up his trade value that way to move something in the offseason. Um, one thing's for certain guys, they have to alleviate some of these log jams, specifically in the outfield. I don't think the Cardinals would like to part with a guy like Alec Burleson but he makes sense in terms of freeing up some of that space. And I think Carlson fits that narrative as well. But again, I'm not quite sure what his value would be right now, given his current role with the team. And we'll get you out of here on this. If the Cardinals trade Paul DeYoung tomorrow, do you believe that they will call up Mason Wynn to get the majority of the at-bats at shortstop? I would, I wouldn't say immediately, 
But I would say if there is no shortstop, if Paul DeYoung is gone and Tommy Eden comes back and needs a breather, that I would imagine Mason Wynn coming up around the end of August, early September. What more do they have to lose at this point? If they want Mason Wynn to be a key piece in 2024, why not give him a trial run now? It wouldn't mess up service time if they brought him back around that time. You might as well see what you're working with. I would just bring him up in August, but at least they would in that scenario be bringing him up. So I suppose that I can uh, tell him Katie. (laughs) Tell him Katie. Well, it's not your job. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Katie, appreciate the time as always. We'll be reading all of your great work over on the Athletic. I know this is going to be a crazy busy 28 hours for you. We'll see you tomorrow down at the ballpark. You got it, guys. Cannot wait.